Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we thank you for laughter. Lord, we thank you that the truth is that you love us more completely and faithfully and infinitely than any man, child, or friend could ever. And so I just am so grateful as I was driving up here today, just so grateful, Lord, for your love in our lives. Wherever we find ourselves on this journey, and whatever we find ourselves, our emotional state as we walked in here today, you love us. You see us, and you delight in us. And Lord, I just I thank you that you're Abba Father today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, girls, we are jumping into week four of our five-week series called Believe. And as you remember, Believe comes from, the series title came from the passage in Luke chapter 1, verse 45, when Elizabeth is talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Elizabeth is her cousin, and she says, Mary... You are blessed among all women because you believed that God would do what he said. And as I was praying through this study and what it would be back, way back in 2017, I just sensed God say to me, Laura, I just want you to believe me. I just want you to believe me. Last week we looked at a parable in Luke chapter 8, and it was the parable of the farmer, and he's sowing the seed, which is the word of God, and he says it lands on four different types of soil. One is a soil that's impenetrable. It's hardened, and the enemy comes and snatches the word of God away, and it never takes root. Second is soil that receives the word joyfully, but when temptation comes, panics, walks away, and it, it, it wilts. The seed doesn't really take deep roots. And then the third soil was the soil that receives the word and it begins to take root, but along with its growth is the growth of worries, anxieties, and the lure of pleasures in this world. And because those things are strong, they began to choke the word of God out. And then the last soil was the soil that where the, the word of God that's living and active. I love that Suzanne reminded us of that. It's living and active and it plants into a heart that is ready to receive it. And it goes down deep and the harvest is plentiful. It produces springs of living water. We're called to be salt and light and to give our love away, give the love of Jesus away. And we cannot do that if we're not growing deeper. One of the things I've always said in Yes Ministries is that we can't ever go wider if we as a team don't go deeper. Me included, our board, if we don't go deeper, and what I mean by that, if our love and understanding of his love for us doesn't continue to go deeper and deeper, we can't go wider because our springs begin to die. We don't have anything to bubble up out of us. So today, what I wanted to do was look at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to actually look at Mary, and we're going to look at Zechariah, two people, and the word of God approaches them, and they, their hearts, we can see this from the soil parable, we see this lived out. Two different types of soil, and we see the result of what happened. And so we're in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 5 today. Now it says this, the word of God says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. And he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. 
and Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. But look at what verse 7 says. It says, but they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Now here's one of the, the layers in the Word of God. When you're reading the Word of God, you've got to really engage in it and you've got to read it and not just skim over it because I could skim over and go, okay, well, they're, the Lord's just told us that they were righteous in His eyes and in the very next verse it says that they were not able to have kids. Now back in this day and age, if you were barren... That was a disgrace. And typically, on some occasions, if you were barren, it was because of the result of sin. The Lord had closed wombs for people that weren't following him and that were in sin. And so the Lord is very clear to let us know these were men and women that were righteous in the Lord's eyes. Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the Lord's eyes, and yet they didn't have kids. They didn't have kids. And so when I read that, Knowing a little bit of the history, my question is, Lord, why? Why didn't they have kids? But can't you imagine that Zachariah and Elizabeth were asking that same question? Why? Lord, why? Why would you allow our reputations to be marred? We're following you. And above that, why would you not grant us the desire of our heart? Elizabeth longed for a baby. We'll see that later in Scripture. She longed. Have you ever longed for something? Scripture says that a hope deferred makes the heart sick. A hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's Proverbs 13, 12. A hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of us walked in here today with sick hearts because we've been longing and hoping for something that's not come to pass. Many of you in the room have known me for a while and you know my story that Jason and I, when we got married, started to try and have children right away. We were, I was 30 and he was 31 and we thought we'd be pregnant in the next month. And a month went by and another one month went by and then a year went by and another year went by and my heart became sick. And I thought, Lord, why? Why? This doesn't seem fair. Have you ever felt that way? This doesn't seem fair. Why me? Why is this happening to us, Lord? We do our best to follow you. And you see that mindset? It's a subtle mindset that is quick to take root in our hearts. You owe me. You owe me. I'm following you. I mean, we were both not only following him, we were on staff at a church listening to Christian music in our car. <laughs> I don't know what else I needed to do to prove that I was righteous in the Lord's eyes, and I sure deserve children. Have you ever felt that way? Lord, this isn't fair. You owe me. I deserve this. I certainly don't deserve this. If you felt that way in your life, then you can relate to Zachariah and Elizabeth. A hope deferred makes the heart sick. But Scripture doesn't say that a hope deferred makes the heart hard. But if we're not careful... We can allow our hearts to become hard because of confusing circumstances in our lives that don't seem fair and it seems like God's allowed pain to enter in in a way that he should have protected us. This isn't fair. This doesn't seem right. God, why? And if I'm not careful, I can slip into a place where my heart is hard, I become calloused, 
and my hope diminishes and what happens is I fall into unbelief. God, you're not really good. You don't really see me. You're not really at work. You're not really trustworthy. And the enemy is like, yes, that's exactly where I want her. He is always after our faith. Always after our faith. Always. A hope deferred makes the heart sick. But scripture also says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Why? Because, because from it flow the wellsprings of life. What is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So guard your heart. What does it mean to guard my heart? Typically, we, we can read that and think, well, it means don't do bad things. Or only think good thoughts. No, no, no. Guard your heart against unbelief. Guard your heart against the temptation to believe what the enemy wants us to believe. He's not good. He's not trustworthy. He doesn't see me. He's not at work in my life. Grab the reins yourself, Laura, because if you don't, that ball is going to drop and shatter. Guard your heart above all else. And I say all that today because it gives us insight into Zechariah. Insight into Zechariah. They had longed for children. Scripture tells us there's nothing of their doing. They didn't do anything wrong. They're not being punished. And yet they were unable to have children. They were unable to have children. Now it also says that Zechariah is of the priestly order. What that means is there were lots of priests in that day and age. But only typically it was two a few more maybe, but typically it was two that got called to go in and actually burn incense at the altar. And that was a big deal. And so you could be a priest outside the inner sanctuary for a long time, years. But when the day comes, it's almost like you hit the lottery and you get to go in and burn incense. And that's where we find Zachariah is that his day has come and he's about to go inside the sanctuary. And we pick up the story in verse 11. It says, while Zachariah was in the sanctuary... An angel of the Lord appeared to him and standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Some of us just need to hear that today. Don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Don't be afraid, Laura. God hears you. He hears your prayer. So he says, he continues on in verse 13. It says, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you're to name him John. And you're going to have great joy and gladness and many are going to rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord and he must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. And he will be a man with power and the spirit of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will, call those, he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. How many of us would have loved when we were pregnant in those early days to have an appearance from an angel to say, this is what you're going to name your kid. And let me just lay out the destiny of this child for you. Wouldn't that have been awesome? How many of, that, how many of us would have loved that in our own lives? Don't be afraid, Laura. Here's your destiny. The truth is, we all have a destiny. 
Scripture says, For I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and all the days are ordained for you before one of them have come to be. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it's by grace that you've been saved, not by your works, so that no one can boast. But you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has laid out before the foundation of the world began. There is a call on your kids' lives and there's a call on your life. There is a destiny for all of us. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, I shared that example of the flat Coke versus the fizzy Coke. And when we are living out our calling, it's not easy, but it's effervescent and it's vivacious and it's full of life. It's full of life. I was getting ready this morning and my team has graciously let me know that I need to wear more makeup for the camera. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm calling them out. I'm calling them out on camera. So I was sitting there getting ready today and I'm like, okay, get me, get me the bright concealer and let me get that on and let me double up this in, anyway, whatever. And I'm doing that. But as I'm doing that, I'm just laughing at my team. And I'm like, I just, I love them. And then I'm thinking about you and I'm just like, I mean, what, what are we even doing? I mean, we don't, I mean, it is for, by grace that we even get up in the morning. Lord, thank you that I get to do this. Just thank you. I mean, we are just ragamuffins with dark circles and age spots. <laughs> and yet the Lord has, has graciously called me to get to do this. And it is an effervescent life. It is. Is it easy? No, it is not. There are great joys and there have been hard things that have come my way, just like your life. But there is a call on your life, just like there is on my life. And when we are living out our destiny and our calling, it is alive. It's what you were meant for. It's better than any vacation home. It's better than anything you can imagine. Why? Because it's intimate fellowship with the Lord. It's intimate fellowship with the Lord. I have to depend on him. I have to hear from him. I have to press in. I have to obey him. And then I get to see him do things I could never do apart from him. And there's a call on John's life, and he's in Elizabeth's womb. He's been knit together, and the angel is letting Zachariah in on it. But Zachariah, let me remind you, has prayed and longed for a child for years. Elizabeth is well past childbearing years. We'll see that in just a second. So I want you to take a minute and imagine what his heart might be like. Have you ever wanted something and you've been disappointed that it hasn't come about? And then when it does, you're unable to really enjoy it because you're like, well, that's a little bit too late. <laughs> what is it? You're a day late and a dollar short? Right? That's where we find Zachariah. So the angel has just filled him in. And then verse 18, Zachariah's response to what he's just heard is this. Says Zacharias said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Now, has he just made a mistake because he's asked a question? No, and we'll see that in a second because we see Mary's life. But when he asks this question, it reveals the state of his heart. It reveals the condition of his heart. And what we see in Zechariah is a hope deferred has turned his heart to be hardened in a way 
that has caused some unbelief. Some unbelief. And then verse 19, he just asked, how can I be sure this will happen? In other words, I'm not sure that I can trust you. How can I be sure that this will happen? Verse 19, the angel said, well, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very, I'm, I'm placing the tone on it. I'm Gabriel and I stand in the very presence of God. It is he who sent me to bring you this good news. In other words, have you ever seen an angel before? Probably not. You ever experienced, had you ever, you ever had an experience like this, Zachariah? Can this not be proof enough? But Zachariah's like, I don't know. And then here's what he says in verse 20. But now, since you didn't believe, since you didn't believe, there's that word, pistuo, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Let's go back to that. Since you did not believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. That feels a bit like a gut punch. For my words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper time. Here's the thing, questioning, we all have questions. Unbelief, unbelief will stop us dead in our tracks. Unbelief will, will hinder the full movement of the Spirit in our lives. Unbelief will cause me to miss out on the fullness of the destiny to which I've been called. Now here's the beautiful, redemptive heart of God. God's promises are still going to be fulfilled, and there is mercy every single morning. His compassions are new every single morning. But there's a part to play, and my part to play, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust him, Laura. Believe him. Believe him. Does it make sense? No. It seems absurd that Elizabeth would be pregnant far after menopause. But that's God. His ways are not my ways, Isaiah 55. His thoughts are nothing like my thoughts. And you can better believe that he's going to do a miraculous work in your life. Why is it a miracle? Because you couldn't do it yourself. That's what a miracle is. And there are times when I am back against the wall and I can no longer control it and I have to surrender and give up and that's when I begin to see him work and do things that I could never have dreamed of myself. But how many times have I missed out on the joy just because I didn't believe? Because I did not believe. I didn't believe him. I remember wanting to be pregnant for five years and crying and begging God for a child. And when I got pregnant, it was glorious. But I remember quickly into my pregnancy, fear crept in. And I thought, well, what if something happens? What if I miscarry? What if? And I was unable to enjoy this blessing because I just didn't believe that it could actually be happening. And I remember Jason said, are you going to go through this pregnancy that you've craved and longed for and begged God for? Are you going to walk through these nine months in fear? Or are you going to enjoy what God's doing in your life? And when he said that, something unlocked for me. I thought, Who, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me that I wouldn't receive what you've brought into my life and just relish and enjoy it. And I'm telling you, if you knew me back then, you know I ate donuts every day. I was so fat and happy. I just loved it all. 
I loved it all. It was glorious. Then Beth came along, same thing. I didn't waste it. I didn't waste it. And so Zachariah, there's a consequence to unbelief. And so Zachariah's mouth is now made mute. He cannot literally speak for nine months. For nine months. I read a commentator that said this, a commentary, and he says this. He said, Zachariah paid a price for his unbelief. His unbelief didn't make God take the promise back, but it just kept Zachariah from enjoying it. Another commentator said this, he said, when we don't believe God's promise for our lives, we don't necessarily destroy the promise, but we do destroy our ability to enjoy the promise. What made this such a severe punishment was that Zechariah had such great news to tell. So in verse 23, we see this lived out. It says, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home, and soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He's taken away my disgrace of having no children. That's a woman whose heart I want. How kind the Lord is. She just received it. Then in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So Elizabeth is married. She's in her fifth month. And now the Gabriel, Gabriel appears to Mary. Mary's a teenager. She's between the ages of 14 and 16. Verse 29, her response is similar to Zachariah's, but we're going to see a different heart. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Here comes his destiny. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel, for his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Now, doesn't that sound similar to Zechariah? Zechariah, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm old, and my wife is well past childbearing. Both of them ask the question and then give the reason that they think it can't happen. We're too old, and I'm a virgin. How can this happen? But does the Lord despise our questions? No. Does he reject them? No. Watch. Here's why. The angel replied. So he gives her an answer. And he says, here's how. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your um, relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. And people used to say that she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Listen to this. For the word of God will never fail. For the word of God will never fail. That's what the Lord said to her. And that's what he says to me. And that's what he says to you. The word of God will never fail. What has he promised you today? He will never leave you or forsake you. The word of God will never fail. You may feel crushed, but you're not destitute. You may be hard-pressed on every side, but you're not crushed to the point that you can't get up. You may feel like you're in a fire, but you will not be consumed by it. You may feel like you're drowning, but it will not take you under. The word of God will never fail. He who began the good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. What has God said to you? 
It is so critical that we know what God has said to us. Because when the trials come and the difficulties enter into our lives and we are tempted, like Zechariah, to give up hope and begin to, to fall into unbelief, I have got to remember what has he said? What is the word of God? And when I can't remember myself, I need an Elizabeth in my life. Do you have an Elizabeth in your life? Someone that is seasoned in their faith that can discern between your crazy thoughts and the truth. Someone that can look at you and go, you are thinking crazy thoughts. You have jumped on the crazy train and you are about to derail. And I'm here to tell you that is not the truth. This is what the Word of God says. The Word of God will never fail. We all need an Elizabeth in our lives. The Word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The angel left her. Now this is what's beautiful. Is she said, I'm the Lord's servant. What has she just done? She surrendered her life. She has surrendered her life. She has done this. She is probably, in my mind, I look at it like this, when you're receiving news from the Lord and you're challenged to believe Him and you don't understand it all and all the answers aren't complete and you don't know how this is going to be um, walk itself out and it seems preposterous even and it's just hard to get your finite mind around it, but yet you know that God is speaking to you. I tend to do this. I'm, I'm either like this or I'm like this. I'm like, okay. I'm listening, but it's scary and it's risky and I'm challenged to step out and believe him. Surrender looks like this. Surrender looks like this. Okay, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. And I like to think about it. I don't know if you can see this couch here, but I'm going to move this for a second. This couch here is a good example also in my mind. This couch is something that in me helps me understand what it means to really surrender and believe God. Because, and I've shared this example similarly before, but I can look at any of you and I go, what, okay, this, this is a good couch, right? I mean, look how sturdy this puppy is. It's a good, it's pretty too. It's a good couch. And what's the purpose of this couch? It's to carry me. It's to hold me, right? And I can look at you guys and I can go, man, you are tired. The Lord's challenging you to surrender. Just believe him. Trust him. And I can say that. And I can say, this couch is made to hold you. Just believe it. You need to feel it? Do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Kick it. See if it's going to fall. No, uh-uh. But I don't really believe it until I what? Until I sit down. That's when faith becomes into play. That's when my belief comes into play is when I actually lean on it. But here's what we tend to do. We tend to think, okay, I've done enough. I've gone part way and that's enough. Why am I part way? Because my feet are still on the ground, right? And so at any point, I can, can, I can stand back up. If I think this isn't going to hold me, you better believe I'm going to jump back up. So here's what happens. Two weeks ago when we were looking at Abraham's father, Terah, and he started out with great vigor and followed the Lord's call on his life, and he was headed to Canaan, Genesis 11 tells us, and he stopped halfway in Haran. Here's what happened. He's laying, he's believing, he's trusting, and all of a sudden it got hard. And some disappointment probably came into play. And he didn't feel good, and he didn't feel like walking anymore. What did he do? 
he stopped trusting and he stopped. He stopped, he settled, and he eventually died in Haran. So what does faith and surrender really look like? What does it look like? It looks like Mary. I am the Lord's servant. Do with me as you want. And this is what I do. I'm laying down on this couch. I'm laying on it. And why is that faith? Because there is nothing in my power. I am fully trusting this couch. Because I don't have a foot on the ground. I don't have a hand that's bracing me. I am at the mercy of this couch. And so I can do one of two things. I can lay here and I can just be stiff and panic and not believe it. But I'm laying here. I'm laying here. I'm doing the thing. God is good all the time. God's good. Yeah. Yeah. I want everybody to see that I'm laying. I'm laying. Never missing Bible study. I'm laying. All the while people are going, man, you look, you look stiff. You look tired. But when I really lay down and I trust him and I say, I'm, I'm, yours, I'm yours, God. I'm yours. Oh, my gosh, this is so comfortable. This is so peaceful. I'm being carried by him. I'm not having to carry myself. The weight of the world is not on me anymore. So here's the thing, ladies. Faith was not meant to be this horrific exercise where we're just like, I'm gritting my teeth. I'm going to believe it. Faith was meant to bring you peace, to bring you great joy because you've shifted the burden where it needs to be. And so Mary didn't understand it all. It didn't all make sense. But she said, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. Do with me what you want. I know enough to know that I believe you. I trust you. I believe you. Surrender always brings peace. It doesn't mean that surrender brings easy. And that's where we get tripped up. Because I think when I've surrendered my life, he owes me. He owes me an easy path. He owes me children when I want children. He owes me whatever it is. You fill in the blank. And the Lord says, no, that's not the deal. The deal is when you lose your life in me, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. You're going to taste and you're going to do things in me. You're going to experience intimacy with me and you're going to do things through me that you never thought possible. Never thought possible. But you have to. I can't make you lay down on that couch and you can't make me lay down on that couch. You get the choice. Am I going to believe him or not? Am I going to believe him or not? Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, you'll keep him in perfect peace in the middle of a storm. You can still have perfect peace because you know who's carrying you. So verse 39 says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, and she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Gabriel is the one that was telling her about, was telling Mary about Elizabeth earlier. I said that that was Elizabeth. But now we see her coming to Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Scripture says in verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. 
Y'all, we could do a whole nother series on friendship just based on Elizabeth and Mary. There was no competition. There was no jealousy. She loved her. She wanted the best for her. She was surrendered to God herself, so she had all sorts of springs of life to offer Mary. you got to have an Elizabeth in your life. And she says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And here's the verse. You're blessed, Mary, because you believed that God would do what he said. You're blessed because you believe that God would do what he said. And what's so beautiful, we don't have time today, but I want you to continue on in your own time with the Lord in Luke chapter 1. And I want you to look all through Luke chapter 2 also. You'll see Mary's song. It's called the Magnificat. And it's her song of praise and joy that bubbles up because of her surrender. Because she believes God, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's this joy that you can't suppress that just comes up. And she worships the Lord and she prophesies in her name. And here's the beautiful thing is Zechariah does the same thing. Later on, we see that Zechariah has had a good nine months to hear from God. Here's what's so beautiful about the Lord is he disciplines those that he loves. And Zechariah went into a season of discipline. And I have been in seasons of discipline that I have desperately needed in my life. And the Lord has been so gracious to put his hand on me. You know when you have uh, your hand on the back of your kid's neck there and you got to squeeze it just a little bit. You need to apply a little pressure. Get that kid going the right way. That's what the Lord's been doing with Zechariah for nine months. Just a little bit of pressure. But that pressure, what he's done in that season of discipline, is he's reunited the intimacy that De- Zechariah had lost. Don't despise the Lord's correction and discipline in your life. He's doing it because he loves you. And he knows the safest place for you is with a malleable, soft heart that knows and believes again that he's good. He's so gracious. He's so gracious. Boy, he has been so gracious to do this to my heart and just allow the calloused shell just to to crumble off. And what Suzanne said is so true. That happens at this forgiveness retreat. We just see it. It's a beautiful thing. And so after John is born, Zachariah still can't talk, but they look at him and say, this is your son, name him. And Zechariah can't speak, and so he writes, and he begins to tell them his name is John. And as soon as he does that, he's able to speak again. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. And then later, he does, he, Zechariah gives his own prophetic word and begins to praise the Lord because he's been pulled back by God and taken into a secret time with him of discipline. So wherever you find yourself today, you might totally relate to Zechariah and say, my heart feels hard. I've been disappointed for a long time. The Lord doesn't despise you or reject you. Maybe you're struggling with unbelief today. We've all been there. But don't despise the Lord's hand in your life. Receive what he has for you today. He loves you. He loves you. Be women of courage and let's lay down in his arms. Let's be women of faith fully surrendered. Why? Because then we get to experience what it means to be carried by him. And do you know what this world is starving for? 
They're starving. They, they want to know there's something below them that catches them. They want to know that there's someone that they can really trust, that their feet really will be planted on a rock, that they really will be carried in the midst of a storm. How does the Lord design for us to, how does he want them to see that? It's through us. We are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We want women to look at us and not go, okay, that is a woman that has got it all together. Gosh, I've never seen her without makeup on. I've never seen her with a messy head of hair. I've never seen laundry piled up at her house. I've never seen her lose her cool. That's not what the world wants. They sniff that out in a heartbeat. That's inauthentic. What is the world craving for? Authentic relationship with a creator bigger than themselves. How do we show it? I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. I'm yours. And then they go, there's peace on you that I don't have. Explain it to me. And here's what we say. Let me introduce you to him. That's what it means to walk with the Lord. Trust him. Just believe him. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm asking now, by the power of your spirit, would you begin to speak into each of our lives, Lord, and show us if there's an area that we've grown cold and calloused and we're, we're not really believing and trusting you. Pray that you'd reveal that. And I pray that we'd be courageous women enough to deal with it in front of you, Lord, to bring those wounds, to bring that hurt, to bring that disappointment to you so that you can speak into it and heal our heart. Lord, thank you for Mary. Thank you for giving us a picture of what it looks like to trust you, just to believe you. Lord, enable us to believe you so that we get to taste you in a deeper way, know that you're good, and in turn, you will be lifted up high and women will see your light coming through our eyes. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.